And so society will paint them with a brush of being some type of haters or intolerant, things like that. But this woman, this is a spirit. I believe it to be the Jezebel spirit, but it's going to be a powerful spirit that's going to have like a seducing effect on the nations of the world, okay? And it says that even the kings of the earth are going to commit adultery with her, meaning, so in the Bible when it speaks of sexual immorality in this context, it's talking about idolatry. And the way that it's seen here is that this woman is causing people to be unfaithful to their creator and they're worshiping other gods they're bowing down to idols they're unfaithful to god and so she's the great the great horror of babylon because she's seducing and leading people into that idolatry does that make sense and she's going to have her little spokesman which will be the false prophet and revelation 13 shows us that he's going to have some type of supernatural occult power that he's even going to be able to call down fire from heaven like lightning strikes at his command or his prayers or whatever in full view of people. And through these powerful signs and wonders in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says that these times will come uh, with great satanic signs and wonders and it will deceive the peoples of the earth. So you got to understand these are going to be some perilous times that we're moving into. But I want you to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I personally believe in a pre-trib rapture. So I believe at some point the, the true remnant bride, not everybody goes to church, not everybody calls themselves a Christian, but there is a remnant that really know Jesus Christ that are washed in the blood and are spending time with him. They really know him. The true remnant bride will be caught away, okay? And then it'll switch over to Israel, and there's all of that I don't want to get into tonight. But I want you to see some things about this whore of Babylon, okay? So you see the vestige. And I want to put the emphasis on the golden cup of abominations tonight. But let me finish reading the rest of this. On her forehead, was the name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of abominations of the earth. So the mother of prostitutes would be that this is kind of the queen of, of seducing spirits and doctrines of demons let that sink in for a minute let me read first timothy 4 1 but the spirit explicitly says that in the latter times when the latter times the days we're living some will fall away from the faith are we seeing some people fall away from the faith today what will what will happen it says they will be paying attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons another translation can read they're paying attention to deceiving spirits spirits of deception and their teachings so this is like their queen the queen bee if you will of all these seducing spirits and doctrines of demons that's going to be going on in these last days. And Satan has got his emissaries, doesn't he? Just like, for example, God has apostles that, that help break new ground, that help open up new works. How many knows the devil kind of has his counterfeit to that, evil apostles that break ground for him? You know, God's got his evangelists, doesn't he? People that are soul winners, powerful. Yet the devil kind of has his evangelists too. 
that go out and they preach a different gospel, if you will, and they're seducing people. And I'm not just talking about in a religious context. I'm talking about in concerts. I'm talking about in all kinds of different settings that there's a different spirit and a different message that's leading people astray. Those are Satan's evangelists. And I could go on with his shepherds and his teachers and false this, that, and the other, but it's, it's a group of people that, that are leading others astray. And the powerful uh, spirit behind it is seducing spirits and then their false teachings. And it says this, it says that this woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. What does that mean? That this, all the way, remember we talked about Cain and Abel. When Adam fell, the next generation, Cain and Abel, you see Cain representing like this religion without God, without relationship. It's just outward religious acts. He brought a offering, but it wasn't accepted. And what, it, what came upon him was a spirit of murder. And Abel, who was just simply worshiping God, he loved God and his offering was the correct offering because it had to be a blood offering. There cannot be remission of sin without the shedding of blood. He brought the blood offering and God accepted it. And Cain, who had religion without relationship, wanted to kill, and he did kill Abel, who had relationship. And you're going to see this, what's been sown in humanity from Cain and Abel all the way to the end is going to all come to maturity. And Satan's uh, counterfeit religious system out there called Babylon is going to produce a group of people that are religious, but they don't know God. And that just like Cain, they're going to hate God's true people and want to murder them. And in fact, they will murder many of them. And you're going to see those that truly know the Lord in the last days, they're going to end up, many of them will be martyrs, especially in the tribulation time. So the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, John said, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I'll tell you the mystery of this woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten, ten horns, which is obviously like a Leviathan type of spirit. But this spirit that has seven heads and ten horns, I can't rabbit trail on this. You guys know full well. This is, represents the Antichrist and his political system. So you're going to see religious Babylon and political Babylon come together, and it's going to be just like it was in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh was the political leader, but yet he had his sorcerers there to back him up. And you have the political and you have the counterfeit religious garbage of the devil coming together in the courts of Pharaoh. And Moses came in there in the power of God, speaking the word of the Lord. The Lord says, let my people go that they may go out and worship me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh sitting there saying, I'm not going to do it. And it was a power encounter. It wasn't just a, a battle of wills. It was more than that. It was supernatural. Because Moses comes in with signs and wonders, and Pharaoh's magicians also had signs and wonders. So you're dealing with a clash of God's power and Satan's power. And you're going to see some of this in these last days. I firmly believe it that we're going to see a rise of occult power, and we're going to talk about that before I'm done tonight. But in the same way, the Antichrist will eventually come to political power, and just like it was under Pharaoh, God is going to begin to pour out his judgments. 
You're going to see the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments that are going to come on the Antichrist and his political system. And it's going to cripple his economy. It's going to break things down just like it did for Pharaoh. And it's a very interesting parallel because as God's people are gradually exiting many of them through martyrdom, um, the plagues of God are coming down on the Antichrist just like it was in the days of Pharaoh, you see. And even in that time, here's the interesting thing on top of that. The Bible says there's going to be two witnesses in the last three and a half years. Isn't it interesting that God sent Moses during those days of Pharaoh? And most likely, most scholars believe, and I believe, that the two witnesses is going to be Moses and Elijah. Isn't that something? So once again, you see him. As a matter of fact, here's another thing about that that's interesting. In the bold judgments, waters turned to blood. Who did that in the Bible? Moses. You're going to see that same thing come back again. And it says that fire will come out of their mouths and consume their adversaries. Who did that in the Bible? Fire, at least fire coming down on the enemies was Elijah. You remember the story when he was sitting on the cliff and the king sent people? And he said, if I'm a servant of God, may fire fall on you. And it consumed them. And by the time that happened, the third time that somebody was sent, that guy came up there and said, please don't fry us. You know, we're under orders to be here. Come in peace. And so you're going to see once again Moses and Elijah. It's, it's interesting how history is repeating itself in some ways here. And the focus will be back on the nation of Israel again during that time. All right. And as I've already read, 1 Timothy 4, 1, that there's going to be a lot of deception. And Jesus said in the last days, watch out that no one deceive you in any way. So that's the very first thing when people ask Jesus about the end times the very first thing he said was, watch out that nobody deceive you. Because there's going to be great deception. There's going to be a lot of deceiving spirits. There's going to be a lot of doctrines of demons circulating. And if you're not careful, if you don't really know the Lord and really know his word, and you're not rightly connected to his people, and you're not really walking in the spirit like you're supposed to, you may be vulnerable to some of these things. And I think that's why some are falling away because they're not doing those things, you know. They're out there, out of church, away from God, backsliding. Next thing you know, they're away from God altogether, denying the faith. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 7, we know 2 Timothy 3, 1, is in the latter days will be perilous times and men will be lovers of themselves. And it goes to this big list, right? Well, I'm going to pick up in verse 7. It says about some of these people, they will be always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Have you ever seen people that are always learning stuff? And they seem to be intelligent, but yet they never come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he goes on to say this, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Now, uh, Paul got this from Jewish writings because it's not they're not named in the Torah, but... Janus and Jambres are believed to be the sons of Balaam. You remember Balaam? He was a very powerful, like, witch doctor, shaman type during the, during the days of Moses. And Janus and Jambres were his sons, and they served in the court of Pharaoh. So these were the sorcerers that were opposing Moses. These were the guys that were turning water to blood and that their rod stone on the ground also turned to serpents, Okay. It says, and Paul said this, he's comparing them to Janus and Jambres. He said, just like these guys, these men in these last days that are ever learning but not coming to the knowledge of the truth, those people, 
will oppose the truth. How many see an opposition to the truth nowadays? It says they are men of depraved minds, worthless in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress for their foolishness will be obvious to all, just as it also was with Janus and Jambres. There came a point in time after something like plague number three or four that Janus and Jambres could not replicate them any longer and they had to acknowledge that truly this is the hand of God. In verse 10 it says, Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, and persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We're going to have to be ready for persecution in these last days. You're going to really have to know your God. The Bible said that they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, but don't forget the rest of that. They loved not their lives unto death. They were willing to die for Christ. But it says this in verse 13. Listen, in context here, if you read all of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's talking about the last days and the people of the last days, and it begins to compare that they would be those like Janus and Jambres that would have occult powers and abilities, and they would literally oppose the men and women of God. You understand, put this in context. This is a confrontation. These are those that will come directly against preachers of the gospel. And it's like a power encounter between Satan's power and God's power. Of course, we know Moses' rod, his serpent, ate theirs in front of everybody. In verse 13, it says, But evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Imposters there in the Greek means a wizard. These are occult practitioners. A lot of people never studied that out and realized that. So evil people and imposters means in the Greek evil and then those that practice the occult. That's what it means. It says those people, specifically comparing them to Janice and Jambres, those people will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving others, and they themselves being deceived. So read it all in context of what Paul was actually saying. Many times people just read a scripture. Go back and read the whole chapter and put it all in context here. What it's saying is there's going to be perilous times and men and women are going to grow more and more dark and evil. And then it says there's going to be an increase of occult practitioners. And as such, like Janice and Jambres, that are actually coming directly against God's men and women that are, that are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be power encounters, and we need to be ready for these things. So what I wanted to talk about tonight is just to kind of paint a picture. You're going to see some type of a rise of a false prophet that is going to appear. This individual is going to be a great religious leader, and he's going to have a lot of power with Satan. He's going to definitely have a power about him, supernatural power. And he's going to have the ability to unite the world's religions. Nobody else has ever been able to do that. This is one of the great divisions in humanity is religion. 
this guy is going to be able to bring them together. And I believe it'll be kind of like a anything goes, whatever you believe is good for you type of attitude, right? But in that, of course, they will hate and want to persecute and murder true Christians. And he's going. there's going to be something about him and his leaders that they're going to dress in a way that seems very religious. So think of something like the Catholic Church or something like that or Eastern Orthodox. And then there being like this religious leader like a pope or something that's able to somehow bring these people together. And everybody looks at this guy and they think he's, he looks like the lamb. He looks like what represents Christ. Read Revelation 13. Read it. He looks like he represents Christ, but he speaks like the dragon. And there's going to be this movement in the religious Babylon in that. But then there's going to be this Antichrist that's a political leader that's going to bring the nations together under his authority politically. And it seems like from the scriptures there's going to be 10 geographic locations that he will rule over specifically, but it will ultimately encompass the world. There'll be 10 of them, but three of them he'll have to conquer because they won't do it willingly. But those 10 kings are going to really give their allegiance to the Antichrist. And together, just like you see the woman riding the beast, they were in unison. You're going to see the religious and the political come together and work together. And it's going to have tremendous evil power. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's going to come forth with signs and wonders from Satan. It's going to be in accordance with the work of Satan powerful uh, occult powers and abilities so this is a time when god's people need to know what we believe and we need to know who we are in christ and we have authority to tread upon snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy we need to be clothed with power from on high we, we're going to need the baptism in the holy ghost we're going to need tongues we're going to need the power of god and we're going to need to be ready to confront evil power and so I want to give you a couple of things tonight that you're going to see in these last days. And I want you, if you're taking notes, to write these down. All of these that I'm listing, I'm going to give you six. All of them can open people up to demonic activity in their life. Okay? All six of these. They can open people up to infestation. They can open up families to demonic activity. And you're going to see these things increase in these last days. So I'm warning people about it. Number one, if you're taking notes, great rebellion. Great rebellion. You're going to see a strong rebellion in these last days. And in that, you're going to see, for example, homes out of order. Men that refuse to be the head of their home and lead them in the ways of Christ, they just, they just will not do it. I heard this one preacher go on a tangent because he was tired of it. He was I've never seen so many spiritual babies, men that want to sit around playing video games and forcing their wives to have to take their children to church and raise them in the ways of God because they're little babies and their wives are the spiritual ones. What's going on? God wants men to rise up and be the leaders in the homes that we need to be. Amen? Number one. And then in that, wives being submitted in everything as unto the Lord. 
and children honoring and obeying their parents. So there's going to be homes that are out of order. And it specifically says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the end times, it talks about children rebelling against parents, etc. So it is a sign of the times that there's great rebellion. And I say this in love, but what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven? Pride that led to rebellion. What got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? Rebellion. Do you really think that God's going to let rebellion back into his heaven? And it's not going to happen. So also in this great rebellion, you're going to see rebellion against spiritual leaders. People don't want to submit to authority. You're going to see rebellion against God's literal creation. What I mean is that God created somebody, a, a boy, and they're going to rebel and turn him into a girl. Have you ever thought about the fact that that's rebellion against the creator? You're going to see all kinds of rebellion. Even to a degree, it's murder, abortion, but it's also a rebellion. God gives life. And then people think they have the right to just kill another human being. Great rebellion. And we're seeing that in the day and hour that we're living for sure. So number two, you're going to see the rise of idolatry. Now this is the horror of Babylon's territory right here. False gods, anything to do with the worship of other gods, idols, cults, false religions, including the occult, but I'm going to make that a different category, but idolatry. And that's one of the things that I, I have a real problem with, even in Roman Catholicism, among other groups. But the Bible says God's given us ten commandments. And the first two, I mean, even people that don't even know the Bible usually know that there's ten commandments. What's the first two? Do not create a false god. Do not worship a false god. Do not create an idol, okay? And then do not bow down and worship it. So do not create another god and do not worship the other god. That's the first two commandments God's given us. And what are people doing? They can't help themselves but create something and then they're bowing down and praying to it. That's breaking the first two of the Ten Commandments. And I'm telling you, this is the very area that... Uh, you know, this whore Babylon is going to really traffic in deception, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons is going to be in this realm of idolatry because the Bible goes so far as to say this, that the Antichrist is going to have an idol that he makes people worship. I suspect it'll be Baphomet, like what they're carrying around the satanic temple to uh, different places. And, but it may not be, it may be something else. It might even be an image of himself. I don't really know. But here's the crazy thing. The Bible says this. It says that through supernatural power, he's going to be able to make that idol actually speak. And we're not talking about something silly like a robot or something like that. We're not talking about something like that. We're talking about a supernatural ability. Isn't it interesting that some of these places where there's so much worship of idols, that actually some of these idols have been charged with some type of satanic power, that they can cry or they can bleed or something or there's something exudes from them and people go there and worship them. This is the area 
that this whore of Babylon is going to traffic really strong because it's going to seduce people through signs and wonders into idolatry. And they're going to be unfaithful to their creator. And they're literally, the false prophet is going to get them. They're literally going to worship the dragon. It says they will. They're going to worship the Antichrist. And they're going to worship his image, his idol. They will do it. The Bible says that they'll do it. That's breaking the first two of the Ten Commandments right there, worshiping false gods. Why don't you think about some other areas of idolatry that we're seeing today. They are idolatry of self, self-worship, and vanity. Some pe- you know what some people's God is more than anything else? Their God is themselves. They are their own God. They are so, some people, they are so unbelievably selfish that everything they do and everything that they think and everything they speak is just self-serving and it's about them. This is the idol of self-worship and vanity. And it's only making things worse with social media and things like that because people now are so caught up in their outward appearance and the way that they appear to others. All right, number two in this, okay, idolatry. The second point is another idol is this, the idol of materialism. Decadence and luxurious living. Now, this is of great concern because Revelation 18 talks about what the merchants of the earth, and they, they, were, they became so wealthy because of this horror Babylon system. They were trafficking in every type of thing that you could imagine, and, and they were getting extremely wealthy because of it. All of the precious wood and stones and, and different types of spices, everything that people would want for decadence and luxurious living, they were trafficking in this, and somehow this religious Babylonian system was helping facilitate that, and it was a transference of great wealth. These merchants were getting wealthy over it, and they actually mourned whenever the whore Babylon was destroyed by what appears to be some type of bomb and smoke was coming up from that area, they actually mourned because they were getting so wealthy from all the different trafficking they were doing in merchandise. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us so caught up in materialism. Amen? I believe that's the reason why God has commanded us as his people to put him first and one of the ways we put him first is through tithes and offerings. We put him first financially. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. All right, and then also the third one I'd point out is idolatry toward the Antichrist and his image, which, of course, I've already mentioned. The Bible says that eventually people are going to take a mark, and those that take that mark seem like they're being given over to something spiritually. And, of course, they're going to worship. I mean, literally worship this Antichrist. Not just adore him or, or like him or something like that or vote for him politically. This is more than that. They are going to worship this guy. And they're going to worship his idol that he sets up. Isn't it interesting? Doesn't that sound like something Nebuchadnezzar did? And those that know history, doesn't that sound like uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and what he did? So this isn't anything new. This has been cycling down the generations. And once again, and it's going to, I don't want to get into it. It's a rabbit trail, but it's the abomination that causes desolation when he sets himself up that way in the temple. So number three, you have number one is great rebellion. Number two is idolatry. 
Number three is the rise of the occult and Satan worship. Who would have ever thought, back when I was a kid, like in the 70s, for example, who would have ever thought that America would see a rise of Satan worship to the degree that it would be in the Grammys and it would be on television? You honestly would have never thought that it was even possible in America. You would have never thought in a million years that, that they would be the level of homosexuality and the level of transgender stuff with kids. Spiritual darkness coming on this nation. And let me tell you, one of the groups, there's many, but one of the groups is the Satanic Temple. And they are very motivated, very politically motivated. They've been trying very hard to push uh, abortion, especially since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. They've been trying diligently. Here's what they're doing. They're trying to use our laws against us of freedom of religion. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to ritualize. Think about how evil this is. They're trying to ritualize, make it a ritual to perform an abortion. So no longer is it, quote, a medical procedure, but now it's actually a religious practice in their religion. And they are trying to do this. Look it up. This is happening right now. And so they're trying to make it a spiritual thing. And so then they say, well, we have freedom of religion to practice this. And they're actually willing to, to help finance people that want to go where this can take place and they can still get an abortion. Think about it for a minute. Satan so loves that bloodshed, that shedding innocent blood, murdering babies. Satan loves it so much that he's got his little Satan worshipers doing whatever they can to try to keep it going. But the Satanic Temple is gaining chapters all over America. Look it up. You can Google them and look up where they have their congregations. Here's what's concerning to me. There's usually one in different states. There's four in Texas. Did everybody hear me? There's four. There's not four in any other state. Granted, Texas is pretty big. <laughs> but there's still four here. And that makes me think that maybe Texas is being targeted for some reason. Because there's one, if, our, if memory serves me correctly, you can look it up. There's one in San Antonio, then Houston, then Austin, which is no big shocker. And there's one here in Dallas. Four in the state of Texas, congregations of the Satanic Temple. But you're seeing the rise of the occult and Satan worship like no other time in America. We would have never thought in a million years it would be here like it is, ever. It's a sign of the times. And you see with the occult, there's three branches. The occult, number one is divination. Divination is seeking information from the devil's servants. So palm readers, tarot card readers, crystal ball readers, you name it. And you can add in their necromancy where they try to talk to the dead, etc. That's divination. And number two, the second branch of the occult is sorcery. The word for sorcery in the Bible is pharmakeia in the Greek, and it's where we get the word pharmacy. It has to do with drugs. So remember I told you we were going to talk about that woman and her golden cup. And it says that in it is the abominations of the earth. Did you know that it's not uncommon around the world for people to use cups as a form of divination? For example, reading tea leaves or maybe coffee grounds, etc. And at the end of their drink or whatever they look in there. Also, many religions 
have various forms of drug use, sorcery. In the ancient Chaldean occult practices, they would drink things, and it, would, it was drugs that would put them in an altered state of consciousness where they can communicate with the spirit realm better. So isn't it interesting that God said that this whore of Babylon had a golden cup full of abominations? It's indicative of divination and sorcery and occult practices. And then the third branch of the occult, so you have divination, sorcery. Sorcery is the material branch. So anything that somebody would wear or own that's supposed to bring them power or luck or whatever, that's sorcery, including drug use. The third branch, though, is witchcraft. This is where people learn to cast spells and put curses on people and control people's minds and, and basically uh, release demonic powers against people. Witchcraft, that's the power branch. So divination is the information branch. Sorcery is the material branch. And witchcraft is the power branch of the occult. People that learn these things, it says in 2 Timothy that these things would increase in the last days. And that people that begin to get powerful in the occult, just like Janice and Jambres, would begin to try to target men and women of God, and it would be a power clash there. And you know as well as I do that it's in the Bible that even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul came up against these people. Who remembers the story of that Elamist guy? Paul goes to speak to the proconsul. How many remember the book of Acts? We've read this. Paul goes to speak to the proconsul. He had some weirdo that's an occultist over here that begins to come against what Paul was saying. And Paul told him, he said, you know what? He said, how long will you continue to pervert the truth like this and oppose everything good? You're going to grope around blind for a time. And the guy literally went blind right there. You know what that was? That was a clash of Satan's power and God's power clashing right there. And just like Moses' serpent ate Janice and Jambres' serpents, Paul his prayers overtook that guy and he went blind for a time. But that's God's mercy on that guy. God could have struck that man dead right there. But instead, God put him blind for a little bit so maybe he'd think about the fact that Paul was right in what he's saying and you're wrong in what you're doing. Maybe one of these days when we get to heaven, old Elamis is there. He said, me going blind for a little while is the best thing ever happened to me. He went up there and hugged Paul. Thanks for striking me blind, brother. It helped me see the error of my ways. But you're going to see a rise also in hardcore Satan worship as well. And we're seeing this. I'm saying this in love, but in a time when we need to be praying like no other time as churches and have prayer meetings, people are getting away from prayer. Even people I wouldn't have thought are getting out of prayer. And at a time when we need to be uh, operating in the power of God and seeing the awesome power of the Holy Spirit and seeing revival like no other time. People are getting away from that. They want to put it in a back room somewhere. Revival's coming and God's going to start cleaning house. And things are going to change in these areas, I'm telling you. It's only so long that God's going to put up with things the way they are. So the first one you're going to see is great rebellion. The second one is an increase of idolatry. And the third one is an increase of witchcraft in the occult. Number four, 
you're going to see a rise of unprecedented sexual immorality and perversions like Sodom and Gomorrah. Where sex outside of marriage is as common with people, there's absolutely no qualms about it whatsoever, and we're already seeing that today. People having even adulterous relationships, and they call it open uh, relationships where they're married, but they sleep around and they're fine with it. I mean, all kinds of, of fornication, all kinds of adultery, all kinds of sexual perversions and immorality. And what's so sad about the transgender thing is because it's targeting little children. Now, I may say something that sounds a little conspiracy-based, but I want you to think about it. If you've got a group of people that want to control the world's population and they think we're overpopulating, just think for a moment. If there are these plagues like COVID killing people, and then these vaccines thrust upon people that apparently have, have really been damaging to some people, and then you've got other ways. For example, Satan is pushing. Think about this for a minute. Satan wants to push sexual immorality among our, our young people, especially in the schools. The schools give out condoms instead of telling people to stay away from. And then think about it. And then the same schools are pushing abortion. Think about what I'm saying for a minute. Don't, don't just like, okay, I'm passing. Think about it. They're pushing sexual immorality, causing people to get pregnant, and then encouraging them to kill their baby. They're creating that problem. And think about this too. The transgender movement is sterilizing children. They'll never be able to have kids. So not only is it an abomination to God, in fact, it's a great sin, but on top of that, it's ruining their little lives. Because they'll never be able to grow up normal. When they get older, they're going to be deformed. And they won't be able to have a family or be able to have children. And I'm telling you, it's starting to happen. I knew it would, but it's already starting to happen that some of them are getting old enough that they're angry. That, that people did that to them as a child. They were like, I was a little kid. I didn't know any better. Why didn't somebody tell me not to do this? It's ruining lives. This may not last on YouTube. I got kicked off at the last couple of sermons back. They booted me because I was preaching the truth. Keep preaching it, they say. Those on Facebook, if I'm gone, turn the channel. I'm somewhere. You can find us on podcast still. Uh, how many knows that eventually, this, all this is going to be scrubbed off the Internet eventually? That's why I keep telling people, you better get a physical Bible that you really, we got time right now. Search one out that you really love, get you a good Bible. Spend some money, get you a good Bible that you really love because there's coming a time you're not going to be able to read the Bible on the internet anymore. All right. Number five, the rise of violence and bloodshed. You're going to see the Bible says as it was in the days of Lot and as it was in the days of Noah. What was in the days of Lot? Sexual perversions and specifically homosexuality. And because it was so evil before God, God actually sent down fire and fried Sodom and Gomorrah. But also in the days of Noah, there was a lot to that, the Nephilim and the occult, but specifically the Bible references great violence great violence who would have thought in america 
that we would see the time when there would be these types of looting and, and violence going on in the streets like we've seen. Since the 60s till now, it's been getting increasingly more aggressive and violent. And people are wanting to pull down statues and they want to go out there and cause all this bloodshed and terrorism and violence on our streets. And I, I'll just go ahead and say it, but why is the Democratic Party encouraging this? Hello? Is it okay that I just say it straight out? Why are the Democratic leaders of this nation encouraging this and not, and not standing up against it? Because it's violence. At the end of the day, there's a lot of innocent people getting hurt. And there's a lot of innocent store owners that had nothing to do with anything that are getting beat to a bloody pulp and their store robbed. But you're seeing a rise of violence and bloodshed. And then number, number six, and this goes along with it, but it's different, the rise of lawlessness. You know what the Bible calls the Antichrist? The son of perdition, which means destruction. And it calls him the man of lawlessness. Lawlessness. People, again, this goes with great rebellion. People want to throw off any type of rule of law. They, want, they don't want anybody telling them what to do. They, they hate authority. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. They want to throw off all the rules, and then it creates this chaos, this lawlessness. And in that, you see rioting and looting, and you see chaos, you see terrorism, etc. but lawlessness. And my wife will tell you because uh, we, we own a business, and it puts us in different uh, educational systems. But right now, she's been working in a particular school system, and it's, it's lawless. The teachers, listen, I'm just telling you the truth. The teachers can't do anything to discipline those kids, and they're out of control. It's lawless. And when I was growing up, they didn't put up with that stuff, I'm just telling you. You went to the woodshed at home, and you went to the principal's office <laughs> with corporal punishment, and they didn't put up with it. And you know what? You could actually go to school and not fear for your life. There wasn't uh, school shootings back then. There wasn't chaos like it is now. But it's just, it's out of control because why? It's a spirit of lawlessness. And eventually the Bible says that whatever's been restraining these things is going to be removed. So I'll just, I'll just give you what the Bible says and then you can draw your own conclusions and do your own homework, okay? But it talks about what restrains I've thought about that. I wondered what it is. The Holy Spirit isn't going to leave, but so I've wondered what is it that's going to be removed. I wonder if it's not the, the remnant bride of Christ that is so powerful, prayer warriors, intercessors, those, those that gather together like we are here tonight and worship and pray, and, and our prayers affect our region. We're going out witnessing. We're, we're being effective. Spiritually, our influence is restraining darkness. When that is removed out at the rapture, I wonder, I'm just speculating, you, you might have a different opinion, you might be right, but I wonder if that's not going to remove a lot of the restraint. And then the Antichrist, all of that can start moving forward unhindered quickly. You know, the Bible says once you see all these things happening, Jesus said when you see all these things happening, that generation will not pass away until it's done. So in other words, the generation that sees all these signs, everything happening, 
that generation will not pass away until the Antichrist emerges and the coming of the Lord happens. Because what the Lord is saying there is, is that once it begins, it's going to move quickly and be done. It's not going to happen over like a hundred year period. Does that make sense? It's going to happen in a generation. And from what I can see, because I've studied end time prophecy uh, for a long time, since the 90s, what I can see from my perspective and my opinion, I believe that we're beginning to see all these things. I can't find anything in the scripture as a sign of the times about the last days that we're not seeing it. Can you? Is there anything you can come up with? Even this, the Bible says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all that's happening. Because of things like the internet and because now people can get on airplanes and travel to remote places. So even that's happening. What I'm getting at is that all these things are happening, in my opinion, and I believe that the coming of the Lord is near. And so with that said, let's see major revival and the greatest harvest of souls the world's ever seen. And let's see the power of God come down. Amen. Let's see a move of God in this generation. A move as such that will prepare the bride to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, things can change on a dime. And I'm going to close with this. How many have seen that Jesus Revolution movie? Remember that guy was, um, Chuck was in that small place, and it was really struggling. It was kind of dead. But then he opened the door to the move of God, and all of a sudden they couldn't keep up with all the. That's how revival happens. All of a sudden it's one way, and then God shows up. Then all of a sudden you can't keep up with the harvest. They're coming in so fast. And, and you have to get a bigger place because you've got to do something with them all. And you've got to quickly throw together some discipleship. That's like the same thing in the Bible. They've been fishing all night, didn't catch a thing. And Jesus said, well, just throw your net on the other side of the boat. Next thing you know, they couldn't keep up with the fish coming in. It was too much. It was breaking the nets. God's about to show up. And there's going to be a harvest that's going to be hard to keep up with. I'm telling you, it's coming. Okay? All right. But be aware of the signs of the times. Be aware of what's going on. Because I, I, it would not surprise me if it doesn't become pretty clear over the next couple of years of who the false prophet looks like he's going to be. If the Antichrist isn't going to begin to emerge on the political scene to where you're going to start looking at some people, in, in, in particular one person, and say, man, that might be the guy because it's that close. I believe it's that close that they're going to start being revealed some. You know, you're going to start sensing what that person right there. I don't know about them. God, God's, Jesus is coming soon, and God's got a major revival, but the enemy's also up to these things, and we need to be aware of them. All right, so, Lord, I thank you for your word. We're going to pray for people tonight, but, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for coming in power a fresh anointing, a move of your Holy Spirit tonight in this altar time. But thank you. Let this word be sealed in our hearts. Give us eyes and ears of the Spirit, Lord, that we can discern these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. We'll need to move the chairs. But I feel led to pray for some people tonight. You intercessors, listen, let 